everyone. Welcome to the pilot for Hughes Views. This is going to be a ongoing podcast for all of the current issues and current, what should we say, opinions from myself and Alex. Um, we'll be meeting up a couple of times a week just to go through things, football, all things football, all the way through the leagues, UK, European, anything you can think of. Just a quick one from our sponsor today. Please uh, go and visit Amphibian Apparel. They are looking at gym wear and basically trying to get people more active this year. Their stuff is top class, so please go and give them a shout out. I will pop a link to their socials on this post. So, Alex, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening from. Uh, you listen to huge views from myself and Dan. Dan said we're sponsored by Amphibian Apparel, wherever the situation, home streetwear and sports there are no excuses so i guess we'll go straight into this week's agenda Dan. i know we've touched base briefly obviously the start of february means that the general transfer window is firmly shut now no big money spent really i think covid19 restrictions in place across europe and the world means that no big deals where you know not a lot of cash was splashed you could say it's um it's the quietest window since 2012 which was the last time you'd have to go back to see where 100 million was spent in a window. You know, ironically, if you go back 12 months, January 2020 was the second highest window with a net value of 230 million spent. So it just shows, I guess, COVID-19 has had such an impact on the world as a whole, but in football as well, which some people can use as a getaway. You know, everywhere suffering from the top down and football is the business. Um, and as a result, there's not that cash flow to spend. Daniel, thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, like, to be honest with you, Al, I think that if if you're going to strip it back, the thing that surprises me the most about the lack of money, obviously we're in this awful situation at the moment and, and football's been affected as well. But if you just look at the, let, let, you know, let's start at the top. Let's look at the Premier League. So if you look at the Premier League and how tight it is this season, you could argue that one big money sign-in or one marquee sign-in for one of the top clubs or even clubs that are used to being in the mid-table finishes like your your West Ham's, for example, who are, are flying at the moment. But just a marquee or a big money sign-in that could make all the difference, surely that would be worth their while to, to try and write a, a blank check, so to speak, and just get one of these big European up-and-coming stars over but as you say obviously everybody has struggled with it the fact that you mentioned that it's the you know the lowest and quietest window in in nearly a decade it's it's just crazy how how it's been affected so you know from my perspective you know if you look at Liverpool obviously they've they've struggled I know they brought in a couple of couple of um, centre-back options but they're they're not what you would expect the Premier League champions to 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 sign in that window, I think. What was it? The the lad from the, from Preston, um, Ben Davies. Yeah, and I, I, t- I think I tend to agree with you. I think Liverpool have obviously been crying out for a Virgil Van Dijk replacement, right? And we can see that they're struggling this season. Whereas last season they were winning ugly. You know, they're turning these one alls into one nils, and they were turning these little losses into points. You know, wherever they could, and they let's admit it, they ran away with it in the end. Man City, on the other hand, they had a quiet season last season. They bought in the likes of Ruben Diaz, and he's been absolutely phenomenal at the back. He's almost a life-alike replacement for someone like Vincent Company. They've been crying out for a leader like that. And, you know, it's no secret that Liverpool are really struggling at the moment. Their pressing game isn't probably as clinical as it was last season. You look through the team, that reliance of Mane, Salah, Firmino for the goals, if that doesn't come about... 
the squad players like Shakiri, Minamino, it hasn't really come to fruition. And Klopp has said, you know, we can't, we can't be a big, a big signing. You know, we can't be a big signing team. We haven't got that money to spend. And I think you're right. I think that that marquee signing was void across that whole window. It wasn't just the Premier League. You know, I think across Europe, no major deals were were struck. And I think a lot of teams will wait until the summer and uh, have another look. There's rooms of Haaland perhaps moving to the Premier League. Who knows? Uh, I think he might need a little bit more time in Germany before he comes over. But I think that's the type of player. Could he be an Aguero replacement? Uh, could he be a Cavani replacement? Those players aren't getting any younger. Uh, so I guess then I've got a short list of players uh, you know, who've moved on deadline days, a few to mention. I'd like you to rate them out of 10, if I may. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously, you, you touched on, on uh, Minamino there. Um, I think the thing with him, I think the options at the front, like you say, they are very heavily reliant on your, you know, the likes of Mane and Salah. I think Firmino has become, is, he's under a bit of scrutiny this season from a lot of pundits. And personally, I don't think that that's warranted. He's not an out-and-out goal scorer, but he definitely brings something to the team. And, and I think they'd be a bit lost without him. But like the Minamino move for me, uh, obviously going to Southampton... From Southampton's point of view, they've got nothing to lose. You know, he could be, you could say that he's probably unproven in the Premier League, but when he has got an opportunity, I think his return is is good. But what you could probably argue is he's got good players around him in that Liverpool setup. Southampton haven't been bad this season by any means. They, they've been quite consistent. But, you're, you know, their standout players for me are probably Ings at the front. And then Ward Prowse pulling the strings, but aside from that, I don't really think they've got that much more quality. Obviously, you've got to look at Theo, um, but again, like you sort of touched on Cavani, Aguero. You know, how old is Theo now? He's he's been around for forever and a day. So, you know, you could argue that they bringing in Minamino would maybe freshen it up a little. For me, like I say, obviously, I repeat that they didn't really have anything to lose with that move. Uh, Minamino gets a, a fresh start and he'll be able to sort of, if he can hit the ground running, I think it could really transform their season, transform their luck. So I think another one for me, I know we touched on it before the show, but Maitland-Niles from Arsenal to West Brom, that is a that is a coup for me. A, a player, a versatile player that can play in, in different positions on the pitch. He's hungry. I was speaking to a friend of mine in the week, actually, and he, he is an Arsenal fan. And his his opinion was that Maitland-Niles wants to play in the midfield. So, obviously, in the, op- the options they have in midfield is quite broad. And I think Arteta likes him in that back line. So, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think maybe if he gets an opportunity to play in the midfield at West Brom, it could kickstart his, uh, his Premier League career. Ainsley Maitland-Niles be the difference between survival and relegation? I'm not sure. There's a lot of players at the back there at West Brom. You know, they've been around a long time. It might be a bit unfair to call West Brom a yo-yo team, but they're one of those clubs, you know, the likes of Norwich as well. They go up, they go down. They go up, they go down. Carl Bartley, he stayed there. Uh, he was part of the promotion-winning team, and he's still there this season. Ajay is the same... They have moments of class and you think, you know, Allardyce is really putting putting them to the, the sword in training. Do I think they have enough? I don't think so. I don't think Ainsley Maitland-Niles will be the man to keep them up and do it alone. 
But I think the experience he will get from being at West Brom for the last half of the season, he can look at the likes of Smith Rowe, uh, Saka at Arsenal and think, do you know what, I can be in that squad next season. I just yeah. need a run of games. Um, so I guess same as the amount of Niles out of 10, Dan, what would you say? I don't know. I, let, let, you know, like you say, let's see what happens at the end of the season. I don't think single-handedly he, could, he can keep them up. So let's let's go for a, maybe a five or a six. I think. I think the, the yeah for Minamino for me, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I'm just hoping he can get the chance. So let let in terms of the 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 move in the window without watching him at Southampton, I'd I'll probably give that a, a, an eight. Just just uh, just to touch on what you were saying about uh, Maitland Niles there, Al. So. It, you know, from from a perspective of Sam Allardyce, I think he will be a little bit frustrated about not being able to potentially bring in some of the targets he was um, looking at in the window. If you look at his time at, uh, at Palace, where he went and sort of similar situation, and they were sitting at the right at the bottom of the table there, and I think he got a little bit of a war chest. He brought in Mamadou Sakho, big strong defender. Uh, Milivojevic over from the European scene and he was getting being able to get those sort of signings over the line um, and getting them to gel quite quickly and obviously Sacco, big leader didn't work out for him at Liverpool but he was you know he was playing in the French national team when he went to Palace so not being able to have that at West Brom I don't know what their situation was I don't know whether they had uh, any money that they could free up. But I think Big Sam will be very, very disappointed in that window. And as you say, Maitland-Niles probably won't be the difference. But I don't think he'll necessarily care come the end of the season. I think he'll be looking to go back to Arsenal and, like you quite rightly say, break into that starting eleven. Totally agree, mate. So another mover on deadline day was Josh King. Relegated with Bournemouth last season, we all thought he would move in the summer. In the end, that move didn't, you know, didn't materialise. He went to Everton on deadline day, Dan. What did you rate that signing out of 10? I think the thing with King is that he had so many options. Um, and I think it was quite well documented in the summer that he could have went to a top, top side. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was linked loosely with Man United because of that that link with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So for me, great player. Probably a little bit of a situation where he might have kicked his toys out the pram a little bit because he didn't get that summer move. And he was just waiting on on the, the the newest window to try and force a move. Now we do see that quite often now. Players, you don't get players once they have it in their head they're going to leave a club. That's it. Big move for him, and obviously playing with some top players at Everton and a, and a, and a really well established coach in Ancelotti. So I'd say it's probably from an Everton perspective, maybe their fans probably think that it's not that big of a deal. Uh, they do have a lot of attacking options. They've got Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin is firing on all cylinders at the moment. Obviously, Rodriguez is, is world-class even now. But for me, I'll probably give that a nine, strong nine. What about yourself? I think you're right. It's, it's not the James Rodriguez, it's not the Richarlison-type signing. But we know that you can score goals in the Premier League. Uh, if Ancelotti looks to the bench and goes, you know, who can I bring on if I need a goal? I think Josh King's your man, isn't he? Oh. Personally, 8 out of 10, but it's hard, isn't it? Strikers are judged on goals. And so, who knows between now and May, June, will Josh King be the difference between Everton getting top six or not? Question, isn't it? Sorry, Dan, another Josh that moved was Josh Maja from Bordeaux to Fulham. Now, we all know about Maja's 
well-publicised move in the documentary Sunderland Till I Die. I think the uh, talk was rife about when he moved from Sunderland. He now goes to a team who are fighting relegation again. You could probably put him in the same bracket as West Brom and Norwich. You've got Fulham. Out of 10, Josh Marger, uh, Bordeaux to Fulham, Dan? Yeah, good good signing. Like you say, anybody that's seen that documentary will know that he was maybe a little bit premature in, in his ability. Don't don't get me wrong, he scored bags of goals to Sunderland, but I think he, he got too big for his boots. He wanted a big UK move. He wanted to come straight into the Premier League. Had to go abroad uh, to learn his trade, so to speak. Now he's back. Obviously, Fulham are fighting for their lives as well this season. So, yeah, great signing for them. It gives them another option. I can see Scott Parker putting him straight in. If I'm honest, Mitrovic hasn't been up to much this year. And and you're getting a completely different striker. You're getting, you know, a striker that can get in behind. Mitrovic is a very, you know, he holds the play up well. He's, he's good at set pieces, scored a few penalties um, along the way. But, you know, Madjar linking up with players like Lukman, it's a no-brainer for me. I think for me, that's probably the first 10 out of 10 from what we've spoke about. this huge pressure on his shoulders and it's no secret that they need goals to stay up. We'll see. And not a mover, and there was no secret again with this one, uh, Deli Ali at Spurs. What next for Ali? Uh, we know that him and Bruno perhaps don't see eye to eye. He hasn't really had a chance in a struggling Spurs side, you could say. So what's he got to do to get into that team? And like I say, Dan, what next for Deli Ali? He's got to knuckle down now, I think. Again, in, in the current state of affairs and the current game, modern game, he might feel like he doesn't need, he doesn't have to prove anything. He, you know, he plays at a, in the international uh, setup. He's part of the England setup, but he's gone off the boil a little bit. I think he's got to knuckle down. And I think the thing with Mourinho is that if Deli Ali could show him that, work hard, and he obviously, he's got the ability, he's just become maybe a bit lazy in, in recent months. But, he did play his best football under Pochettino now, so obviously we know that he was heavily linked with PSG, probably because of that that you know reunion. But if he was to go abroad, he might be able to resurrect his career, but he, he also could kiss goodbye to his England career. There isn't that many English players playing abroad that are in the England setup. Obviously Sancho is the is the one that is still, you know, gonna probably be one of our rising stars in the next few European tournaments, but I think Deli Ali's got a way up whether he wants to knuckle down or or sort of throw the towel in and he'll end up being a bit of a journeyman, I think. I think he'll go to a number of clubs over the next few years rather than staying at Spurs. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think a lot of these players are looking at the Euros coming up in the summer. Well, allegedly coming up in the summer. It's penciled in. I think with Deli Ali, is he going to be make or break? Is he going to make that England squad? There's a lot of players arguably in his position who are playing at the moment week in, week out and are starring. Um, you can't get an England squad if you're not playing week in, week out in the Premier League. Thank you very much for that, Dan. We're going to drop down the league now. Uh, we heard news in the week that uh, Jason Tindall was sacked as Bournemouth manager after just six months in charge. He leaves Bournemouth uh, sixth in the table, eight points off the automatic promotion place and 13 points behind Norwich at the time of research. Is it time that the bigger players in Bournemouth stepped up? We've got the likes of Jack Wilshere there on a short-term deal, that David Brooks... Dominic Solanke cost £19 million in the January 2019 window. And they've had Josh King prior to his Everton move. Dan, was was, uh, was Jason Tindall the right man for the job? For the thing with any of these clubs that, that sort of drop down in, you know, they get relegated and then everybody wants to see a rebuild and huge pressure on his shoulders, I think. I, I, I'm one for giving managers time. I don't think that it's fair to to expect. I mean, Bournemouth fans will be expecting to come back up straight back up into the Premier League. Don't get me wrong, 
Uh, and with the players that you've outlined, there's no reason why they, they shouldn't be uh, trying to push. But from experience, I think most fans know that the Championship is the hardest league probably across Europe, if not the world, to get out of. You've got probably half, maybe even two-thirds of those teams in the current Championship that have played in the top league. So there is so much pressure on any manager at that level. Um, don't like to see anyone lose their jobs. But I don't think that he's going to struggle to get into another side. Probably, again, at championship level. I'm hoping someone will give him a little bit more time. Uh, and, and what you said about the players, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, Wilshere, whether or not he's on a short-term loan or not, he is a player that at championship level, if he can maintain fitness, should be running games single-handedly. Solanke, huge price tag, probably just because he came from a top, top club. But no, he hasn't done enough to warrant that price tag, in my opinion. And and obviously, King was one of those players that, as I said, maybe was unhappy, maybe knew his ability and he was better than the championship, wanted a move. Now that they've got that, maybe they can push on in the second half of the season. So... What, what about yourself, um, Al? What do you think about, about the sack? Jason Tindall was only ever the assistant boss, Dan. Uh, was there a more experienced candidate for the Cherries, you think? Well, it's hard to say, uh, to be honest. I haven't watched a lot of their football this season, but they're just a team that when you look at the results, you would expect them to pick up points purely because they're playing in the top flight. So I, I, I like uh, the Cowley brothers. Um, whether or not they're still working together, I don't know. But I think when they were working together before they... They got the best out of the teams that they were at. So uh, maybe that, that sort of thing could, could happen for, for Bournemouth. But again, it's a big step up. It's a big step up. Uh, and I think now that they've been in the top flight, I think their fan base will probably expect to be back there very, very soon. I've had a little check on the next Bournemouth manager odds. I'm just going to give you a little short list. There's six names of the six. Just give me who you think would be your pick for the next Bournemouth manager role. So you've got Frank Lampard, ex-Chelsea manager, got four to one. Also got John Terry. He's got no managerial experience. He was Villa assistant. He's also at four to one. Could Eddie Howe go back to Bournemouth? Uh, he's at twelve to one. Paul Cook, ex-Wigan manager, is outsider at sixteen to one. And you just touched upon the Cowley brothers. Danny Cowley, the ex-Huddersfield manager, is sixteen to one. I think that's a good punt, Danny Cowley. Dan, your thoughts? I mean, I I don't see Howe going back there. If I'm honest, JT and 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 Frank Lampard are always going to come up. Obviously, Lampard done a great job at, at Derby, probably bit off a little bit more than he could chew at Chelsea, spent a lot of money. And we all know about uh, Abramovich's attitude towards his coaches. If they're not winning silverware straight away, then he doesn't he doesn't give them any time. I know we touched on that earlier on. JT is a, is a good shout for me, um, but it really does depend on what the Bournemouth hierarchy are looking towards. Are they looking at a long-term investment in their manager, you know, their stadium, all of the surroundings, things around that? Or are they just looking for an experienced head to get them back into the Premier League? If it's the latter, then I don't think JT should be on that on that list. If you go down there, you have to either be a yo-yo team or you have to do very well financially and pump a lot of money in and uh, take that gamble and try and get promoted. So many teams have tried and failed. We've seen Derby... Uh, always near missing in the playoffs it's a tough league and, and I think the Bournemouth's uh, Bournemouth job's a tough job to take on um, who knows I mean it's got to be playoff minimum really I think you can't really look past um, the likes of Norwich and maybe perhaps maybe Brentford 
to get the automatic spots and you could have any of about 12 teams filling up the remaining four spots uh, yeah we know what it's you know we we know all about the playoffs you know it's such a minefield you played 46 games in a season and then you got the potential that you then pay playing another three should you get to the final it's 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 tough going and your whole season comes down to 90 or potentially 120 minutes of football so yeah the teams that are in there know that you could finish third and not be the favorites to go up let's put it that way just for that then just a reminder you're listening to the huge views pilot show sponsored by amphibian apparel whatever the situation home streetwear and sports there are no excuses but there's a little feature here dan and you didn't know this was coming I've got anagrams of footballers. Have you got a pen and paper to hand and have the uh, viewers at home? Yeah, I've, I've certainly grabbed one for you now, Al. Let's do it. Okay, so I've got an anagram of a jam tuna. A-J-A-M-T-U-N-A, a jam tuna. What footballer is that? And I'll, I can come back to you. I've got one more. I've got a rancid lion torso. A rancid lion torso. <laughs> we'll have a feed, we'll have uh, we'll go through the next topic here, and then I'll come back to you. And I expect there's a couple of listeners who have already nailed these two already. Okay, so going back to Premier League, Dan. Midweek, Southampton won the end of another nine-nil defeat. This happened twice in two seasons. They're a side not really in any relegation trouble. Will we see another reaction as we previously did? And I guess I'll put it to you, Dan. What's going through the players' heads after some of the same squad were in the match day squad versus Leicester and they lost 9-0 at home in October 2019. So we're barely, you know, two years on from that and a lot of players don't even lose 9-0 once in their footballing career, yeah. their professional career. But for that to happen twice within two seasons, where, do, where does Southampton go? Where does Ralph Hausenhutl go from here? I think you've got to spare a spare thought for the goalkeeper first and foremost, and I would say the back line as well. Um, what I would say Al, about that result was when you it's damage limitations. You know, ten men inside what was it eighty seconds of the game for anyone that hasn't seen it at home. Oh well, I'm sure that they have, but what an absolute howler of a challenge um, on on the debut for that young lad, I believe. I was going to say yeah. on the debut as well. That's uh, that's tough going. It's, um, I don't know, actually maybe a rush of blood to the head trying to get your first challenge in. I know you're always taught from a young age to try and get your first challenge in, set the tempo for yourself for the game. But he's clearly got that all wrong um, going in on a McTominay that, that way. And it was uh, no, you know, no, no decision really for the ref to make. It was a straight red. Uh, the second red card may be a little bit more dubious, shall we say. But I think at that point, you know, you've got so much attacking threat from United to play 89 minutes of football with 10 men. And then, you know, when the, I, I, I can't remember offhand when the second red car came in, but uh, I think the players have just got to write it off. You know, as, he, as I know it sounds easy to do, but I think they have to. It's one freak result, as you quite rightly mentioned. They haven't exactly struggled this season. They've been quite consistent. They're definitely not at any sort of threat of going down, in my opinion. Um I don't think their fans will think that they're going to go anywhere either. I think they'll be in the top flight next season. Um, but I think for Southampton, for me, they're a club I'd like to see maybe put a, a, a bit of a cup run together. Unless they, well, up until a few years ago, obviously they brought a, a, a few players through their academy set up, but they haven't really brought anyone through recently. 
They've looked at other clubs for young talent. Um, obviously, Walker Peters coming down to the coast to play there. But I think for me, I'd like to see him put a little cup run together, maybe put a bit of silverware in that cabinet because they are a club that you would associate with top flight football. But yeah, I, I just think they just need to write that off, mate. I think I think the the manager and the coaching staff need to do their job as well. Uh, tell them not to you know dwell on it so much and just go out and just express themselves in the next game. I think. Chuck a couple of stats at you, Dan. Thirty-five percent of Southampton's Premier League goals this season, twelve out of thirty-five they conceded against United. They've lost four consecutive league games, and it's their biggest away defeat in any competition. Is Hasnutl in any trouble? Do you think? I don't think so. Um, I think the thing with managers in the top flight is. Be careful what you wish for in a in a in a way. Um, you gotta ask yourself. You know, we rattled off those those uh, next manager odds at Bournemouth. You know, are Southampton in a position where they can try and get managers of a of a better standard? Or you, you know, those sort of names will probably crop up in the manager shortlist. Should should they get rid of of their current manager? So for me, I'd stick with what they've got. You know, there's a there's a few managers that could do a a worse job there. And uh, as I said, I don't think that they're necessarily at risk of going anywhere. But those stats, are they're awful. They are horrendous. And I think any any Southampton fan listening will probably agree with us there. I guess uh, some with the stature of like Ralph Arsenal who talk, has a similar feel of when they had Claude Puel. And I think they, when they fired him at the time, they wanted someone to take them to the next step. Yeah. And I think the Premier League is broken down into three parts. So you have like the top six or eight who will go for the European football. You know, you get the same four or six who will always be in the Champions League mix. And you get the likes of uh, West Ham, and we love it to be Crystal Palace, to break that mould and, and get into that top seven or eight and get that European football. You have the bottom six to eight clubs who are fighting relegation, some more than others. And then you get some in the middle bracket who are in Premier League football consistently every single season. And I think that's where Southampton are at the moment. Um, and like you said, you've got to be careful what you wish for. If you get a manager who wants to play more elaborate football, more attacking football, you you might concede more goals. I mean, they can't do a lot worse than conceding 9-0, but I think they've got a very good squad there. They've got some very, very good players in there. I think they're kind of where they would expect to be. They're in no relegation trouble. I don't think they're going to break into the top seven or eight. I think they've got to keep chipping away and keep bringing in the gems from other teams. Like you said, Carl Walker-Peters, Phil Walcott, Chad Adams, Danny Ings. You, know, you could go on and they're all class players. Arguably, they could walk into any Premier League side comfortably. Got a fun fact for you, Dan. It's not fun for the, it's not fun for the player here, but James Ward-Prowse was the only player on the pitch for all 18 goals in both 9-0 defeats. What's your thoughts on James Ward-Prowse? Does he make the England squad this summer? No. But that's only because that there is better options in that in that um, position for me. You can't underestimate his ability. Probably, on paper, the best set-piece taker in the league at the moment. But I don't think he's got enough to his game. And I don't mean that in a malicious sense. I just think that there's better options there. I mean, we, we touched on it earlier about Deli Ali. I think Deli Ali is, is probably still a better option. I know Ward Prowse. Ward Prowse. I don't think either of them are playing over someone like Phil Foden. 
You can't overlook uh, Hendo in that holding role if that's the way that Southgate wants to set up. Rice, Jack Grealish. Yeah, I mean, Grealish and Foden for me are two peas in a pod. There'll be a lot of people out there saying, oh, that that's ridiculous. You can't make that that sort of comparison. But they just play with no fear. And that's very rare to see now. I would take them both. But do they, you know, we could have a Lampard-Gerrard situation on our hands with the two of them. Because they are very similar players. They want to drive at defences. But do you have more than one player in your team to do that? Do you, do you see where I'm coming from here? It's it's a tough one for Southgate. It's a nice problem to have. There's a lot of players you know, at his disposal. We, I don't think England really have ever had it so good. I know we've had you know the early 2000s where we were all tipped to win a tournament. We had a prime Wayne Rooney. Um, and in the 90s, you know, we you know, hit the bar a couple of times. Yeah, I think, um, I think the 06 squad, I think everybody in the country will probably agree with us in saying that there was... That was the golden generation. There was no way that we we deserved to win something with that squad. You touched on Prime Rooney. We had Gerard and Lampard, albeit they had their issues. Um, you know, David Beckham, Michael Owen, Rio. Like the list goes on. It, I don't know how we, you know, we we were uh, very very unfortunate not to come away with anything. Uh, but like you say. See what the future holds. We obviously done very, very well in recent tournaments. Harry Kane is uh, the forefront, our firing line. So uh, what I would say is it would be good to get another striker so we're not so reliant on him. But With talks of the Euros, I want us to get on a plane and fly to the south of France. In the week, Andre Villas-Boas has been uh, under fire. He offered his resignation after disagreeing with the club's sporting policy. It comes after the signing of Celtic midfielder Olivier Cham from Celtic, a player who VS Boas openly said he didn't want, and he quoted him as never on his list. I just want to give you a little bit of a breakdown of what's happened with Marseille. There's a bit more to it than this. 300 Marseille fans attacked officers at their training centre last Saturday, causing their home league game against Rennes to be postponed. There's been a number of protests in recent weeks after the fans have become disgruntled over how the club's being run on and off the pitch. Andre VS Boas quoted... During a press conference on Tuesday, I'm waiting for an answer. It could be no, and then we will continue. I don't want any money. I just want to leave. Dan, what message does that send to Olivier and Cham following his transfer move? It definitely sounds like Villas Boas didn't want the player at the club. wasn't one of his targets. But this is a this is a, again this is my opinion. But I think that this is one of those situations where are you the manager or are you the head coach? And there is a big difference in those two titles. It sounds to me that over in 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 Marseille, there's a there's a, a real lack of communication between the board and Villas Boas, and uh, there seems to be decisions made that are over his head. Now, if it was me in his shoes, I would probably have done the same thing. Um, we've obviously seen him here in the UK. Doesn't really exactly come across as a a manager that's not going to cooperate with. His club always speaks where it comes across very well in interviews. So I can't see him causing a problem unless there was a problem to be caused. I think he's done the right thing. I agree. Yeah. yeah I th- you touched upon the difference between a head coach and a manager. I'm a firm believer a manager should be in charge of who he brings through the door. He has that conversation with the chairman. How much transfer budget has he got? What's the wage budget? Realistically, what players is he going to move on? Let him have the power to bring in who he likes because at the end of the day, it's up to the manager to get the results, and it's always the managers who get fired. Yeah. Wherever the squad, the players remain. You know, they might get sold 
at an opportunity. But we've seen the culture, especially in you know the last 20 years or so, managers don't get long before they get fired. So, you know, I've, I don't agree with the head coach role. Uh, I think the manager should be in charge to spend his to spend the money. If he doesn't want to chat, why are the Marseille board bringing him in? What does that say to Andre Villas-Boas? He's been manager since 2019, so he's had, you know, a couple of years. Marseille have been in the Champions League. You know, they might not win a title with the likes of PSG, Lyon. Fine. I think they're not on their list. I think Villas-Boas has got every right to say, you know, thanks, but I'm done here. Yeah on board with that 100% I think to me it's, it sounds like the, the board and the hierarchy at the club are, are planning for life without without him and I think he knows that which is why he's obviously offered that resignation and now from their standpoint they're probably panicking because they didn't expect that from him so like you say with the with the teams from a domestic point of view they probably won't ever win a title in, in without some real investment or without a bit of luck from bringing young players through but it it's a little bit like Germany and the, the Bundesliga, you know, if any team in France has any sort of uh, stars, rising stars or future stars, they just get snapped up and, and the larger teams will bully bully them, losing a player before he's even really got a chance. Or are they just happy to cash in? I think especially during the, the pandemic at the moment, money is tight. It's no secret that a lot of players from France go to the Premier League. We've seen Dimitri Payet come over. We've seen Lacazette come over. They're two players who did really well in the Premier League. And I know Payet's gone back and Lacazette might not be firing all cylinders, but he was smashing the goals at Lyon. Then what next? So let's just go for Andre Villas-Boas' managerial CV. Like I say, he's been at Marseille since 2019. He's been at Shanghai over in China. He's St. Petersburg over in Russia. Porto. Spurs and Chelsea. Does he come back to the Premier League, do you think? Uh, it's, it's a it's a very lucrative CV for him. But if he was to come back to the Premier, you'd be looking at a team in the bottom half of the table with, without any shadow of a doubt. Obviously, you touched on the fact that... <laughs> so for the, for the uh, listeners at home, we are both Crystal Palace supporters. And I do promise that we will get on to Crystal Palace. We'll probably have to do a whole, whole episode on Palace Hour, to be honest with you, with voicing our opinions. But... I would take him at Crystal Palace in a heartbeat. Um, I really would. Uh, as I say, I'm not going to go into go into the details on Palace in this episode because we'd be here forever. But um, he plays attractive football, so he may not have done that much since he was in the Premier League last. But I think I think a, a team of our sort of calibre, or like I say, like a, a, a mid table to bottom end of the table, maybe. But would we be able to attract him? That's the question love to know his salaries that he was getting I think from someone like I say I just want to touch upon it I don't know if Steve Parrish would perhaps give him the money that he'd want I think Roy Hodgson's very much a cheap option I think that's why we've been linked with the likes of Sean Dice as well I think it's another cheap option yeah but who knows like I say you would have him at Palace in a heartbeat he's had all that European experience and he's managed in all these sorts of leagues and he's always there or thereabout that's in the Champions League and the Europa League so if Palace are looking for that next step up why not um, trying to go to the uh, the football anagrams Dan so I gave you two earlier and to the listeners at home I gave you a jam tuna and a rancid lion torso did you get either of them right so a jam tuna 
I've got the um, ex-Chelsea Spanish midfielder, Juan Mata. Correct, yeah. Yeah, as for the other one, Al, I, it, I even cheated. I even went online and had a look um, and I couldn't find it. So you'll have to tell our listeners what the it is. line torso is the man himself, the main man himself. It was his birthday this week, Cristiano Ronaldo. So what, what are the, I mean, again, this, this is probably something for another episode, but, you know, we could say Ronaldo and Messi until the cows come home, but I would just like to touch on the fact that you obviously said it was his birthday this week. So consistent, even at his age. So consistent. Yeah. Lucky enough to see him in the Premier League. He's probably played his best football away from Man United. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so Cristiano Ronaldo is 36. I just want to reel off a couple of players, and all these players are in the elite category, hands down, right? At age 36, now bear in mind, Cristiano Ronaldo scored 22 goals in 23 games he bets already this season, okay? Zidane had retired, Ronaldo had retired, Pele had retired, Ronaldinho was without a club, Xavi was playing for Al Sadd, and Thierry Henry was playing in America at New York Red Bulls. That just shows how quality this player is. Now, the Ronaldo-Messi debate. I'm a Ronaldo fan. I think he's got the power, he's got the goals, he's done it in multiple leagues, and he's still doing it at 36. Phenomenal. I think, I'd have, I, th- I, think I would have to agree with I think I, I, what people fail to realise is it's not just the consistency on the pitch out. It, it, it's the fact that he takes care of his body at his age. He is an athlete. He's not a footballer. He is an athlete. He, you know, if you've got ability, you don't necessarily have to be a shredded guy. You don't have to be... But he is... an. He's just an athlete. He's an animal. The guy is one of the... In, in our lifetime, I don't think there will be a better all-round player who has done it in more than one... More than two leagues... You know, he's he's the best there is. He's, I've, I've seen a video of him jumping to head the ball and the spring that he gets, the power that he gets. We've seen his free kicks. We've seen what he's capable of. I think he single-handedly won Portugal the Euros. He carries them. At times, he was carrying Madrid. We can see now he's doing the, doing the bits for Juventus. Yeah. And he could probably play into his 40, like you say. The geezer is in unbelievable fitness form. I, I think... cheese on his abs. Yeah. I, I think, the, I think the, the major point here is that there's a lot of players out there that will play into their late 30s, even maybe hit 40. But I think he could do it at the top level. I think he could still be playing week in, week out at 38, 39. Easily. But anyway, I, I mean, again, that's probably going to be our. This could be episode three. Oh, we could do that in a in abundance and maybe get a few people on to give us their opinions on it as well. Yeah, we got our last topic. So on the topic of Celtic, down, we obviously were talking about Olivier and Cham earlier. They, at the time of research, they were twenty points adrift of Rangers with the game at twenty points. It's inevitable that Rangers have won the league. Have they turned the tide? Will their title win lead to a flurry of trophies at Ibrox now, Dan? Uh, I mean, uh, you, you're opening up a can of worms here. I think uh, we could lose a few listeners. We could gain a few listeners with this one. But um, from an unbiased perspective, I don't think that 
the title is won yet. I know you, a lot will laugh at that, but you know, I think that mentality at Rangers as well is why they're doing so well. They're five wins away. Yeah, I think I, I think Gerard has it sort of Im, embedded in the players that every game is a cup final. He hasn't necessarily spent a lot in the time that he's been there. Obviously, we know about. Uh, Rangers financial troubles in recent years so I don't think there is really that much of a, a treasure chest for him to get at anyway but one player in particular that has looked far and above better than the quality that I've seen in the uh, SPFL is uh, Ryan Kent he glides past players like they're not even there and I think we could probably see him return to England very soon yeah, and I think that Gerard, should he come back into uh, England to manage, might pull him with him. That's my worry for Rangers in the future. I think it's no secret that one day Stephen Gerrard will be Liverpool manager. That will happen. I went to Chelsea probably too early. I think Gerrard's gone about it the right way. Learn his trade for a couple of seasons. Win the league, fine. Go over to Liverpool. I don't think Klopp's, you know, going to go anywhere anytime soon. So Gerard may need a stopgap in between. Yeah. Maybe he goes to a team, dare I say it, like Crystal Palace, mid Premiership. See how you fare. Use Liverpool as a step up. I don't think, I don't think Klopp's going to go anywhere. I don't. I, I don't see it out. I don't. Coincidentally, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that Klopp's contract and Gerard's contract both run out at their current clubs in the same summer of 2023. So it makes perfect sense for Gerard to stay up in Scotland, potentially win back-to-back titles, maybe even a treble. I and think he'd want to have a go at defending it as well. Yeah. I think after Celtic winning nine, yes. he's not going to win one and go, I'm off. I think, I think you're right. He'll probably... It's probably hope rather than judgment. I'd, ha- I'd love Gerard at Palace. Um, I think you're right. I think he will stay there at least one more season. Whether he goes before 2023, I don't know. I was going to ask you what next for Steven Gerrard. I think he. I think. I think he's going to stay there, isn't he? He's going to stay there, try and defend the title. He's waiting for that Liverpool job. All yeah. they'd have to do is pick up the phone. He'd be packing his bags that night. I, I think so. I think so. I think. I think a massive thing for um, the supporters uh, at Rangers is that, like you quite rightly mentioned, I think the tide has turned a little bit. It's not necessarily there. You know, they're not going to go and win nine titles in a row. But what they will do is they will challenge, and it looks like up there now in the years to come there is going to be a fight. You could argue that Celtic potentially got a free run at at the league for a number of years because obviously Rangers had to go all the way down to the bottom and work their way back up. Now they seem to be back. Um, I actually watched the old firm earlier on this season and it, it, it was chalk and cheese. There was only one team in that game, but that you could you could argue that that's because of Lennon that could be because of things off of the pitch at Celtic that could be do you throw the towel in i think i think um i think that am i right in saying that potentially rangers could win the league at celtic park this year like you just wouldn't want that to happen if you're a celtic supporter 
but I don't see it going any other way. I actually think they'll probably win it before that. Celtic, if they continue to drop points, totally. I yeah. think you've got to give credit to the job and the magnitude that Steven Gerrard's had on his hands. So Celtic are year in, year out, Champions League. You know, they're in, they're in the group stage of Champions League more or not, more often than not. Sometimes they'll get knocked out in the qualifying rounds. Whatever they've had, some fantastic nights in Glasgow against Barca. Yeah, that definitely springs to mind. I think with that comes the comes the money. You know, they can attract the better players. Celtic, they can attract the players who are going to play Champions League. You know, uh, Rangers have done well in the Europa League this season, but like you said, Steven Gerrard's had to work on a shoestring budget. But what he's got out of those players, the likes of Connor Goldson's been an absolute animal. They've got Kemar Roof. He's been banging the goals in. Jermaine Defoe, he's got all that experience there. Yeah. Alfredo Morelos, Ryan Kent, all these players that you've mentioned. Now, they probably wouldn't get into a struggling Premier League side. You could argue that a couple could do it. Jermaine Defoe was you know, unplayable during his days at Spurs. But the Ryan Kents, uh, the Connor Goldsons, I think you'd find them you know, at a basement battle in the Premier League. And that's a massive credit. And I know that the Scottish Premiership and the Premiership in England, there's a divide there. We know that, you know, it's controversial, but you could say that the Scottish Premiership is probably on par with maybe our Championship League One, some of the clubs in there. But yeah, I think some no of the clubs. Rangers, no one's handed Rangers that title. No, no, they've no, definitely not. It, and they've absolutely blown away all the competition there. And I think you have to give Stephen Gerrard credit for that. Yeah, I think the thing with the SPFL is that it's a classic case of you can only play what's in front of you. So Rangers could go, you know, they've they've been knocking goals past teams in that league for fun. But I think what you could probably you what you should be looking at from them this year is their run in Europe, you know. They look like a team that Let's, well, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves, maybe not go all the way. But should they get to the quarterfinals, you've got to look at the revenue that comes from that. You've got to look at the TV money that comes from that. You know, their last European final was in 2006. They obviously came up short. And then in the years between 2006 and now, they've been all over the place. Obviously, they've had real issues off of the field. They look like they're back, which is not what our Celtic supporting listeners will want to hear. But I think that's the truth. I think they are back. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I think that they could go on. And and as I say, I think Gerard, you said as well, Gerard will want to try and defend that title. Obviously, Celtic uh, done the treble treble, which is just like in England, that's unheard of. Across most of the European leagues, it's unheard of. So you've got to give them credit for that. But is there any reason why Rangers can't do that? Probably not. It'd be interesting to see what happens next year. Because I think Lennon... Yeah, Lennon is out. Len- Lennon is definitely out. But at the end of the year, he's out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next season. You made a good point. You can only beat what's in front of you in the Scottish Premiership. I just want to take you into Europa League. So Rangers are in the next round. They're in the knockouts and they're playing Antwerp over two legs. I just want to give you Rangers group. They're in Group D and they topped it comfortably. They've got 14 points from a possible 18. So they dropped four points. In that group, you've got Lech Poznan. Standard Liège and Benfica. Yep. Benfica are you know, a huge team in Portugal. Rangers scored 13, conceded 7. In contrast, if you go over to Glasgow, over to Celtic, now you, could, you could say they arguably had a harder group in Group H. 
they were AC Milan, Lille and Sparta Prague, and they finished bottom. They played six, they got four points. Scored ten, conceded nineteen. Yep. I think you've got to give huge credit to Rangers going on all fronts. Conceding seven goals in six games is, is some going. Um, and Absolutely, and I think that I think the point with ease. They're ten points ahead of third place now in Liège, and Celtic were seven points from qualification. Yeah, I think I think as well. Benfica are an established Champions League team, and I don't think anybody would disagree. Um, obviously, they've played their you know played their football in Europa League, but whenever you whenever whenever anybody says Benfica, you, you think of Champions League. But that is the same to be said for AC Milan. So I, I understand what, what what you're saying there in terms of the the group. I think Celtic did have the tougher group, but again, Celtic are a Champions League club. They are a Champions League club. So uh, you know you, you mentioned the Barcelona game. They won that game, but Let's not forget they had eleven percent possession in that game. But I watched that game live on television, and 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 the atmosphere was like bouncing. So they won't. I know fans aren't allowed in the stadiums, but they the players should feel lucky that they're not because Lennon would have been out a long time ago. The old firm would have been spicy as ever, but obviously the Rangers supporters would have had their would have had their their day. Um, they would have had their celebrations and that, and and Celtic won't want to stand for that. Rangers are probably going to go on to win the title. Uh, I'm 99% sure that's going to happen. But like I say, it'd be e- e- eager to see what happens next year. See who gets brought in at the top of the tree at Celtic. See if he can bring some people in with him. And Gerard just needs to be as hungry as he was this year. Hopefully bring some players in for himself. A little bit of competition. Uh, you touched on Morelos as well. I don't know about yourself, Al, but... He is one of the most petulant footballers I've watched in recent years. He, yeah, he's always an accident waiting to happen. Uh, I don't have him to hand, but I'd love to see his uh, disciplinary record. It's not, you know, I'm never surprised when I see that Morelos has seen red for doing something. I think he's serving a ban now for a stamp because they lost their appeal. And that's, that. you know, if, if the league was closer and there was one point in it, so to get a game in hand, would he be doing that? I don't know, but he refused. Yeah, I think the thing is he has done. I think last season in the old firm game, if I'm not mistaken, he was sent off for being, he was goaded and he just reacted and he got sent off. And, you know, you could argue you need to get that out of your game if you're going to be a top, top player. Gerard sticks with him. He's obviously got the ability, but it's just that, like you said, that record of, you know, discipline, it's just not great. The other thing as well that's worth mentioning is that Two two windows ago, maybe three windows ago, he was he was tipped for a twenty million pound move. Twenty million pound could rejuvenate that entire Rangers team. So I think that, from my opinion, they probably should have cashed in because they're not exactly doing. You know, most of their goals are coming from right back. That James Tavernier scored like double figures this season. I know he takes penalties, but uh, he's been he's been a class apart. Cheers for that, and that's probably all we've got time for this week. Uh, so let us know on the Instagram handles, on Hughes Views, what you'd like to hear, a topic that you'd perhaps like us to cover. And remember to visit Amphibian Apparel, whatever the situation, home, streetwear and sports, there are no excuses. Cheers, Dan, and I look forward to next week, mate. Yeah, cheers out. Speak to you Good soon. Buddy.